0: to really bear fruit okay so father we thank you tonight we lift up the word of god and we realize how important it is and lord i ask you to come mightily lord upon me tonight by your holy spirit and speak through me the word of god and lord i pray that there would be a fresh anointing and that this would go out and it would be like the wind of the holy spirit will help carry the word everywhere it's supposed to go that your mighty angels will watch over it to make sure that it Um, Is going to accomplish everything it's supposed to to remove hindrances out of the way. But the Bible promises us that, that the word of God will go forth and it will not return void, but accomplish that which the Lord sent it forth to do. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that this would be as living seeds of truth. Jesus talked about the parable of the seed and the sower. And this will be seeds of truth and life. And, Lord, that this will go out into good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives prepared by your spirit, And that your precious Holy Spirit water those seeds that they will take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes and Lord, we agree together that we bind the enemy because the Bible says that the birds of the air try to come down and steal the seed and he was referring to the enemy and so Lord we agree together that we bind everything of the enemy any demonic forces anything that would try to hinder the Word of God from being effective and get everywhere it's supposed to go. We bind you now in the name of Jesus. We break your power. And Lord, I pray that as the word goes out, there'll be a washing of the water of the word, that there will be light of truth shining, dispelling all the darkness, lies, evil, deception of the enemy, and bring truth, bring revelation. Lord, let your word be a hammer that's going to break through the strongholds of the enemy and a sword that cuts away what needs to go. Lord, we thank you for the awesome power of your word, and we commit it unto you tonight. And let everything be accomplished in and through this time, Lord, that you will to be done as the precious Holy Spirit come and speak through me. Lord, we thank you for it. We agree together. We believe. Let your people um, grow tonight spiritually. Let there be a maturing. Lord, let this really get in us. And we thank you. Help us to see what you want us to see and understand what you want us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen all right i'm continuing this series this is part four and i'm gonna deal with being under authority so last week i dealt with the fall of lucifer and i dealt with pride that leads to rebellion okay and so this week i'm going to dovetail off of that and i mentioned last week that when lucifer was in heaven the bible mentions nine different stones and we know that he was part of most likely A part of leading worship to the Lord and so to a degree Lucifer had some kind of a priesthood of sorts that we really don't know much about but it was see here's what I wanted to say as well you know sometimes the scientific community they say things that they feel like maybe the Bible and scientific research and stuff like that are not compatible and they try to write the Bible off in a lot of different ways but the truth of the matter is The Bible was not written for that reason The Bible was not There's a lot of things that God did not go into We come on the scene With Adam And then the fall of man And then it ends With the restoration of all that The, the Bible was written To that The purpose of the Bible Was to show God's redemptive plan For fallen humanity it was not to prove creation or to try to explain things that were way before adam in great detail we'll get all of that when we get to heaven i believe that god will help us understand it but you gotta understand the purpose and so the bible doesn't give us too much about the fall of lucifer but it gives us enough to where we know what's going on it's what we need to know so there was a priesthood of sorts that we don't know much about and then we know in the bible that ultimately god brought things there was a Melchizedek type of priesthood. That came, But ultimately, everything kind of came to a head with the priesthood of Aaron. And the priesthood of Aaron had 12 stones in the breastplate, not 9. And 12 is the number of government. And so God was doing a new uh, priesthood through mankind. And ultimately, the climax of all of that was that Jesus would be our great high priest forever. And he's in the order of Melchizedek. And so that that kind of just i want to explain that because i had some questions afterward about that so um and let me just say that tonight i'm dealing with something that is extremely important this won't necessarily be extremely long or anything but the content is so important i want everybody to grasp this so please give me your best ear but a christian that is not under authority is not protected and so that's what I'm going to deal with tonight. And I, I really do speak of this tonight out of a genuine heart of concern in the body of Christ because a Christian that is really not under authority, they're not really protected from the enemy. And I believe as I go through this tonight, you're going to see that. But I cannot tell you how important it is that you really truly hear from God. Okay, let me say it this way. You cannot be led by anything other than the Holy Spirit about this. You've got to hear from God. But you've, you need to know that God has placed you under a certain authority. You don't need to, to go there because it has the best puppet show for your kids. Your motive doesn't need to be because it has you know um, a cooler facility for your teenager. Um, whatever the motive is that people have. Well, they like the coffee shop better than this one or something. Those are not reasons to go to a church. You, you need to hear from God. And let me say this in as loving of a way as I know how, that not everything out there was planted by God in the first place. There are things that were conceived in the minds of men. Oh, hey, this would be a good idea. And so a church is started. But it was never something that was birthed in heaven and that God spoke by his spirit to people and they were led by the spirit to do it in the first place. And let me say this, I'm trying to be real careful because I don't want to come across the wrong way about some of these things I'm saying. Regarding denominations, I'm not against them, but let me just speak my mind. Um, A lot of things out there that are denominations, you have to understand that God did not create denominations, man did. Please understand that I'm not against them and I'm not being critical, I'm just stating a biblical fact that I can prove with scripture. And unfortunately, there's a lot of division between them. But in various denominational circles of all kinds, I'm saying all of them, you don't really have, that I know of, and I'm talking about all of them, you don't have where people pray They fast, they hear from God, and it's somebody that has a true apostolic gifting. I'm not talking about they call themselves an apostle. They really are. They really have that. Um, True prophet, they hold the office, and people pray, they hear from God, and the right people are led by the Spirit, are placed in positions of authority over the group of people that's not what's happening 99% of the time. 99% of the time unfortunately it is just politics. It's who has the biggest church, the most money, the most charismatic personality, who is the most popular. It's a voting thing and it's it's like that. It's just politics. And through politics people are being thrust upward into positions that God never placed them there. Man placed them there. Hello? And if man puts somebody in a position like that, and it's not God that did it, they do not have the anointing, and they do not have the grace to govern. And so therefore, they end up having to turn to various forms of intimidation and manipulation to maintain their position of authority, which I'll get to that at the end of this. So what I'm trying to get at is that it's, it's very important that you hear from God about who you're aligned with. I know some people, I'm saying things that probably some people out there don't like to hear, and this is going to bother them, but the truth is the truth about this, and I can prove it with Scripture. People can get mad if they want, but what I'm saying is true, and deep down they know it's true. Not every authority out there was established by the Lord. And see, but there are people that have been legitimately, their fivefold ministry, they've been legitimately called to a city. God spoke to them. They went to that city and they're building something that God spoke to them to do. It's spirit led. They have the fivefold ministry office that God has them functioning in and they have the anointing of the Lord and that is kingdom authority. And so as I go through this tonight I'm dealing with being under kingdom authority. So let me start reading some scripture. All right, number 1. I'm going to le- read uh, Luke 2:48. When they saw him, they were astonished. Now this was Jesus. He was in Jerusalem. This very well could have been like a Bar Mitzvah type of thing. And you remember that he was uh, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, man, you know. <laughs> How do you lose Jesus? They lost Jesus, and they're trying to find Jesus. And they come in, and here's Jesus speaking with all these rabbis and people, and they're astonished at what's coming out of his mouth. I mean, he's around 12 years old here, but he's speaking great wisdom. So this was probably around the bar mitzvah time for him. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you, and he said to them why is it that you're looking for me did you not know that i had to be in my father's house but they did not understand the statement which he made to them and he went down with them and came to nazareth so in other words jesus left with them went home and he continued listen this he continued in obedience to them his parents (coughs) his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept, look at this, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So Jesus, even though he's the son of God, he's around 12 years old, and he's submitting, he's being obedient to his parents' authority that God put him under with Mary and Joseph. Think about what I'm saying. He, go, he accepts their rebuke. He goes home with mom and dad and he submits to their authority, he obeys them, and in that environment of not being rebellious, but in that environment of being under their authority and submitting to them, the Bible says that Jesus kept increasing in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. Then as Jesus continues to grow, and now he's entering the ministry later in life, Jesus makes this statement. Now he had grown up, he had proven himself that he was not going to be a rebel, but he was going to be somebody that would be under his parental authority that God put him under. Don't you to think about this? This is one thing for me and you to submit to Mom and Dad. He was the God Almighty in the flesh. Have you ever thought about this? And he's saying, Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Whenever they tell him to do stuff. And as he gets older. His heavenly father has been carefully watching things. And now he begins his ministry in John five nineteen, And he tells the people that are there, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees his father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. So let me rephrase this a little bit. Jesus is saying this. I don't go around just doing whatever I want to do. I am under my heavenly Father's authority. What I see him doing, that's what I do. What I hear him speaking, that's what I speak. But I am not in rebellion to him. I don't go around just doing whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I am under my Father's authority. Now Jesus In Luke 7, 6, Jesus really commends the centurion. It says, now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself any further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. The centurion was, first off, came to Jesus very humble. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And then he says, for this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed, faith. He knew if Jesus would just say the word, it would be done. And then he goes on to say, for I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go when he goes, to another come and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Jesus had simply healed him at a distance, didn't even have to go to the man's house. There was a town that Jesus went to, his own hometown was one of them, but I believe there was another place that Jesus went to and it said he marveled at their lack of faith. And in his own hometown it says he could not do, not that he would not, he could not do great miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them because of their unbelief. Yet the centurion had so much faith that Jesus didn't even have to geographically go to where he was. And we know that Jesus said in Mark or Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth so last week i talked about how jesus helped well first off lucifer exalted himself in pride and was thrown all the way down to the lowest place but jesus humbled himself down to the lowest place and god exalted him to the right hand of the father which is the highest possible place and he's been given all authority on heaven in heaven and on the earth he's been given all authority he is the judge of all now jesus operates through lines of authority jesus functions the kingdom functions this way there's authority we know for example that god has allowed authority in, in uh, secular governments we don't always agree with certain things um, i especially did not agree with a lot of things in the previous president that we have But even though that's the case we know from the Bible and I can prove it that God raised that person up People can argue with that all they want, but I have scripture to back up the fact that God raises up and pulls down and the reason why God allows wicked rulers like that is because of the wickedness of the people and when God's people will humble themselves and pray and they'll stand in the gap and be what we're supposed to be in this nation, then it results in what has previously happened that God will deliver us. He'll raise up righteous leadership, all right? So there's realms of authority. There's the, probably the most significant realm I want to talk about is in the home. But God operates through lines of authority where the, the husband is the head of the home and the wife is to submit under that authority. That means to be obedient to the final decision. Now, a smart husband will listen to his wife, right? I I should have heard amen from, there should have been a feminine amen right there. A smart husband will listen to his wife, but bottom line is though the husband has the final say. And we do not live in a nation that is a submitting nation. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm gonna share something with you that a lot of people probably haven't thought about, but it's, it's the truth that i believe that the strong man in america every nation has a strong man i believe the strong man is rebellion and let me explain why our nation was was birthed we were a british colony and our nation was birthed in a rebellion against british control which i believe ultimately was the will of god i really do i believe that god wanted things to become like it is america is um in my opinion the greatest nation you know i love america but nonetheless it was birthed in a rebellion against british authority okay now it's interesting because in britain when they speak about what happened in america they call it america's independence but in america we use a different word we call it a revolution. Now, you've got to understand, there's, there's something behind that because a revolt is like a rebellion. You see what I'm saying? And even though I believe that ultimately it was the will of God for things to transpire as they have in America, I do. I believe that. But it does not take away from the fact that it still was birthed in rebellion and this nation has had some kind of a strong man that's been lurking in the shadows of rebellion and in the 60s now this is important because we're believing god for a great awakening in america and so people need to understand some things spiritually from a spiritual perspective in the 60s there was an explosion it was just like the fullness of time so to speak for the devil to just unleash great rebellion And you see in the 60s that the Church of Satan under Anton LaVey, for the first time in our nation's history, there was now an organized group of Satanism that was sanctioned by our government. That had never happened before. Satanism or something like that was probably always going on, but it would have definitely been in a hidden place before that. Now, there was an open church of Satan in the 60s 1966 during this same time frame out of a place in San Francisco called Haight-Ashbury there became a what was coined the hippie movement and we know about Woodstock but there was something during this time that was an explosion it was like the spirit of rebellion that had been been in the shadows now it was like like a bomb went off and it just exploded into society and all of a sudden there was a generation that began to rebel against every type of authority that there was the government rebelling against parents any type of god-ordained authority they began to rebel against that authority and let me say something that's really important when you're dealing with rebellion rebellion is a great evil last sermon i dealt with lucifer who was lifted up with pride and rebelled and now he's known as satan and so i'm just telling you that pride and rebellion is the nature of satan it's a great evil and when you're dealing with rebellion the bible says that rebellion is as witchcraft please remember this if you're taking notes that'd be important to write down rebellion in God's eyes is as witchcraft so now let me show you something in the 60s when all of a sudden there was a generation that wanted to just rebel against all authority what do you see that began to creep into that generation pretty soon you start seeing that most all of them began to dabble in the occult look into it all of a sudden different forms of eastern mysticism different forms of um the occult that had never been prominent in America there was occult bookstores but I mean these things were like in back alleys nobody in mainstream would have really known about them you know what I'm saying now all of a sudden this generation of rebels it's now becoming very pervasive that not only are they rebelling against authority but now they're starting to practice different forms of witchcraft divination and also sorcery the bible the biblical word for sorcery is pharmakeia, and pharmakaia is where we get the word pharmacy from and sorcery is connected to drug use So you know as well as I do what became widespread during the great rebellion of the 60s among the hippies, drugs. Also, when you're dealing with rebellion, you're dealing with witchcraft. Now you're also beginning to deal with the Jezebel spirit. And the Jezebel spirit is a serious spirit to deal with now jezebel is not just a spirit of ungodly control rebellion and witchcraft but jezebel also has to do with sexual immorality so during this great rebellion against authority all of a sudden witchcraft all of a sudden drug use sorcery what else sexual perversions were pervasive you see what i'm saying It was not just something that was just in the realm of rebellion when people move into rebellion y'all please give me your best ear tonight when people move into rebellion they're not just going to deal with just rebellion they're also going to start dealing with things like witchcraft and they're gonna start dealing with things like sorcery and they're gonna deal with sexual immorality it goes along with it you watch somebody that's a true rebel And you watch the spiritual decline that happens pretty soon there's going to be a cult activity in their life they're going to start watching tv shows that have to do with spell casting and witchcraft they're going to start dabbling in drugs and they're going to start being sexually seductive and sexually immoral and there's going to be sexual immorality in their life and so as i'm going through this I want you to really grab hold of what I'm saying because this is very important tonight because I believe that there's a lot of Christians out there that are not under authority. If people will pray and hear from God, God will take them and he will lead them and he'll bring them under the the pastoral covering that they're supposed to have. And it's a God-ordained thing. It's a kingdom authority. There's protection in that but the devil realizes that they are protected and they're right in the middle of god's will for their life so what does he do he does everything he can to take like a crowbar and try to pry them out of that place whether he can get them offended or whatever he needs to do he wants to go in there like a crowbar and pry them out of that place and get them out of that covering so that they're vulnerable In the Bible, just as I mentioned with the centurion, he said, I'm under authority, but I also am a man of authority. And it's important to me as a pastor, I don't want to feel in any way like I'm out here on my own doing stuff. I personally have a male authority figure over my life as a pastor. And not only that, he's also a true apostle for real, not just somebody that calls themselves one. And I'm under authority. I'm under that covering of protection because my mom and dad did not raise no fool. And I'm not gonna be out here vulnerable to spiritual warfare. I'm under a covering of protection. Somebody that's praying for me. And also that now there's an authority invested in my ministry as well to be a covering. And let me read this. I'm gonna tell you a couple stories. Um, 1 Corinthians 11:3. You have to understand all of this from a Hebrew perspective in their culture, which I'll try to explain it. Just like nowadays, we would maybe use an example because in our culture, things are a certain way. We might talk about fast food, and we might talk about versus somebody cooking at home, and that's in our culture. And so we could use that as an analogy, and everybody here would get it. But you go to somewhere else that doesn't know you go to some country where there's no such thing as fast food And you try to use that example and they're not really going to understand what you're talking about So in the same way paul's using some terminology that was in the hebrew culture in israel back then So let me explain it First uh, corinthians 11 verse 3, but I want you to understand that christ is the head of every man And the man is the head of a woman. Now, he's talking about the home He's talking about the husband And God, the Father, is the head of Christ. Every man who has something on his head while praying or prophesying disgraces his head. But every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same as the woman whose head is shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, let her also um, have her hair cut off but is if it is a disgraceful thing for a woman to shave her head let her cover her head for a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and the glory of god but the woman is the glory of man for man does not originate from woman but woman from man for indeed the man was not created for the woman's sake but the woman for the man's sake therefore let the woman i'm sorry therefore the woman ought to have a symbol or a sign of authority on her head look at this because of the angels it's talking about fallen angels this doesn't make sense to a lot of people in american culture but during this time a married woman would have her head covered and it was a way of honoring her husband and being under his authority and paul was trying to use this like an analogy. And he's basically saying here that a husband should not be, it is a disgraceful thing for a husband to be underneath his wife's authority. It is disgraceful. It is a shameful thing. But he's saying that a woman ought to be under her husband's authority and she should have a covering. He's speaking symbolically. He's using a natural head covering in the Middle East to explain a spiritual covering. He's saying that a wife that will submit unto her husband is under his covering of protection. Do you see what I'm saying? You know, every once in a while, if you're doing something for God and you're going to be useful, how many knows that you're going to go through some spiritual warfare once in a while? If somebody never goes through spiritual warfare, um, I would say in a loving way, they're just not a threat to the devil and they're just not worth his time but if you are going to be used of god and you're going to be shaking things up in the spirit realm you're going to come under authority some i mean it's come under warfare sometimes well my wife and i had had something come up where god was speaking to us about a um, spiritual battle that was kind of coming our direction. Now, as many of you know, my wife's testimony, her family was involved in the occult, things like Satanism, witchcraft, and all that, which, of course, she used to be and got out of it and came to know Jesus. Amen. All right, so anyway, the thing is, though, that people don't realize is once somebody used to be that way, and now they accept Christ as their Savior, in the devil's eyes, it's not the same as somebody just accepting Christ you know out of left field but somebody that used to serve the devil's purposes that was locked into his kingdom and then they leave his kingdom and accept christ the devil views them as a traitor does this make sense all right and so do the devil's servants so other people that are in satanism and all that would view somebody like my wife and others that it used to be they would view them as a traitor and they would really there would be a lot of hatred in there you know toward them Anyway, with all that said, I'm saying that for this reason. So my wife had this dream, and God started speaking to me about it, that there was was some kind of a warfare that we were going to go through, which we've been through many, many times, okay? It's not a big deal. Um, I didn't lose any sleep, okay? But nonetheless, something did show up. And uh, I'm just going along one day, and all of a sudden, there's this dark spirit, and there's this oppression. I'm like, what? So I began to pray about it, and the Lord spoke to me that it was an attack against my wife. And it had to do with her past and, and that she was being targeted. So here's the important thing. I rebuked it and I prayed, but it seemed to be stubborn. But I know these scriptures. So I had my wife, we took communion together, but I told her, I want you to say this out loud. And she began to repeat what I was telling her to say. And she was saying, in Jesus' name, I am underneath my husband's authority he is a christian i am under his authority i don't rebel against him i am submitted i am under that covering i am also a member of river of life and i am underneath that church covering of authority and when she said those words the thing left and hasn't been back since i'm trying to show you the Bible says a woman ought to have a sign or a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. It's talking about fallen angels. It's not talking about good angels. And so it's saying that you need to be under a covering of protection because of the lurking dark forces that are out there that everybody's... And it's all through the scriptures. Ephesians 6:10 through 18 shows us that we are living in a spiritual warfare. We, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but what? Against principalities, powers, world rulers, and wickedness in the heavenlies. We know that there are dark spirits that roam the earth. We know that, that there's going to be spiritual warfare. And it is so important that people are underneath a covering in these latter days. And I don't mean some kind of like a papier-mâché where somebody is just any, mini, mighty, mo, I go to this church over here, and it may even be a place that God never even spoke to them to birth that thing in the first place. It was conceived of man. It does not have true spiritual authority. That's like a paper mache. I'm talking about that you heard from God where you're supposed to be going, and come hell or high water, you're not getting out of there. You you have heard from God. And you come under that authority, under that covering, it's kingdom authority. You understand? And there was such a protection. Now, on the flip side, I'd had some people that we knew, this was years ago, okay, that were a part of our ministry. And we we were a spiritual covering to them. And God, man, when when they were in right relationship with us, they was a an anointing because we know. That when people are underneath an authority, the Bible says in Psalm 133 that the oil flows from Aaron's head down his beard down his garment. So there's a downflow of the anointing. These people were functioning in our the anointing that was flowing down from us to them, and they were seeing a real move of God. I mean, they were seeing people saved, the the geographic area where they were at. Their, their testimony was beginning to really impact the whole area it was awesome there was there was healings and miracles there was people being delivered to things it was just full-on revival but over time you know pride began to slip in and the way that we communicated because we weren't living in the same city we had had to communicate through Skype okay And so we communicate and I noticed that their attitude toward me started to change. And I noticed that they began to try to connect with another authority that was in their city. But they still wanted my authority too. So they were like, it was some weird thing going on there. Well, here's what happened. They became vulnerable to the fallen angels. Hello? Hello? next thing I know I'm getting contacted because all hell broke loose they were being attacked like you wouldn't believe trust me when I tell you it was bad their marriage was on the brink of divorce their health was failing they were mentally and emotionally tormented they couldn't even sleep at night you do that for a while they were so attacked it was horrible I felt so bad for them but bottom line is they were not in right relationship with the covering that God originally put them under. They chose to rebel. And they chose to not have a right relationship with that authority. And they could not say out of their mouth with honesty, Jesus, I am under, Pastor Scott, I am under River of Life's authority. If they could have really said that, then it would have formed a shield around them. It would have blocked all that. It would have never happened. But they were in rebellion. See, a lot of times when people here's here's also some things about rebellion. Somebody that is a rebellious person, we're dealing with iniquity in them. I've seen people that their mom. I'm thinking of somebody right now. Their mom was very prideful and very rebellious against her parents and now you see that same pride and that same rebellious streak in the daughter that's iniquity but she never really dealt with it and it ended up costing her relationships with other authority figures because there was this rebellious streak somebody that has a rebellious streak about them they have an attitude of rebellion and they never really truly have a healthy relationship with authority figures they'll live in conflict with principals and teachers in school They'll live in conflict in the workplace with their manager. They'll live in conflict in their marriage because they don't know how to submit to authority. And they're going to have to tell the Lord, I am sorry, forgive me, Lord, for this pride and this rebellious streak in me. That's the nature, the Bible shows us the nature of the devil and I don't want that stuff in me. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for that stuff in my family. Take this out of me and God will take it out and you'll notice that there's a personality change when that iniquity has gone all of a sudden it's not hard to submit but I've seen this and somebody that's got that rebellious streak in them they don't want to be told what to do and inevitably if they're in a church maybe they started out good it started out where it was really the Holy Spirit they had legitimate anointing legitimate gifts but because of rebellion, all of a sudden now, it starts out that they're being rebellious in the flesh, but it starts becoming a spiritual thing. All of a sudden now, you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit. You're dealing with spiritual witchcraft. Are y'all following me? What started out is just bucking up against authority, just having a bad attitude. They don't like being told what to do all of a sudden now though it becomes demonic it becomes a Jezebel spirit and now they want to still pray for people but you know that they're not really getting this from the Holy Spirit they're getting information from that Jezebel spirit and things like a python spirit and it's demonic and of course the information they're being told will be extremely negative about the male authority figure against the pastor. They feel like they're hearing from God, but there's something whispering in their ear that's not the Holy Spirit. And now it's very negative against the pastor, it's negative against the church, it's demonic. And usually, these same people will deal now with some kind of a weird witchcraft. They don't realize it, but they're communing with and they're functioning in a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. So again, you see rebellion connected to witchcraft. They're trying to prophesy. Remember Jezebel calls herself a prophetess, remember that? They try to prophesy, they're trying to function in gifts, but now it's not the Holy Spirit, it's another spirit, and it's more like divination. Now they have idols in their life. They're trusting in other things other than God. Things are important to them that shouldn't be too important. And no doubt they will deal with some sexual lusts and some things that are sexually not right. Because it's all connected. And the root is pride and rebellion. And they're not protected the dark spirits that are seeking their soul so I say this with a heavy heart and I'm preaching this to warn people to be careful that you're simply under authority in the right way but a rebel somebody has a rebellious streak will view authority as being oppressive to them somebody telling them what to do is oppressive you see what I'm saying to them it's all in their head i mean it's so normal that growing up mom and dad tell us no and we should learn growing up because of our parents raising us we should learn that there's an authority in life we're not going to always get to do everything we want to do sometimes the person in charge is going to say no and we we're just okay but a rebellious person will not feel that way when an authority figure is saying no we're not going to do that they can't stand that they can't stand somebody telling them what to do and given the opportunity they'll go behind their back and do it anyway it's rebellion and i don't want to get too much into this today because i'm going to build on this as i go because i'm dealing with the travels of david and Saul. And all of this is connected saul was a rebel God specifically told King Saul, when you go in and fight this enemy, you kill everything. You kill everybody. Saul comes out and saves the best sheep, the best cattle. Saul knows that he is not of the priestly order and he still, because Samuel took so long to get there, Saul decides, I'm going to perform the sacrifice. That was totally rebelling against God. He goes in, he even spares the king of the city that he was supposed to kill the king, and he spared him. And Samuel was so upset. Saul Saul says, and this is the deception of a rebel. Saul being a rebel says, look, I did everything God told me to. And Samuel says, no, you didn't. What is this bleeding of sheep that I hear right now? What is the lowing of cattle that I hear? And why is that king still alive? No, you didn't do what god told you to do you're just deceiving yourself you've rebelled and he goes on to say and this is where we get it from rebellion is as witchcraft and it wasn't too much longer that king Saul, being a rebel ended up being tormented by a demon hello and had to have david come in and play the harp and sing to him to get that thing off of him and then rebellion in Saul's life it's not too much further down the road that he's going to a witch in Endor to get information hello are you seeing the pattern he started out as a rebel next thing you know he's demonized and he's going to a witch. Now I'm saying this, this is, for somebody that may hear this down the road, this is um, 2017, we're in May, and I'm, pray- I'm telling people, please pray for your president right now. Because I'm telling you, as a man of God and somebody that does pray, and I know what I'm talking about about this, I mean that humbly, but I'm, I'm right about this, he's dealing with a spirit of rebellion. He's dealing with a Jezebel spirit that is bucking up against him and you cannot defeat these dark spirits just by willpower he's got to have a a godly group of christians that are going to pray and our prayers are going to bind up that strong man because you got to fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons okay but anyway a rebel will in, inevitably end up in witchcraft and it's interesting too because this is how this works Please remember this. If you have any type of call to ministry, you need to remember this. Somebody that picks up a Jezebel spirit, they will always try to act like they're a little misunderstood victim. And the authority figure, especially a male authority figure, is the bad guy. That is always the way they function. It's witchcraft. To try to manipulate and control people like that. So now let me move to the last couple of things I want to say you know people say well I hear what you're saying how do we practically live these things out well number one if you see a rebellious streak in your life you really need to ask God's forgiveness and you need to ask him to forgive you for that iniquity and to take that out because things are not going to always go our way we're not gonna always get our way we're not gonna always get what we want We're not going to always be told yes all the time. Sometimes we're going to be told no. There's things we want to do. And God wants us to simply function under authority. And if we have a good attitude and we'll be properly under authority the right way, there is a huge protection there. But see, people want to go out and be used of God and see souls saved and do all this. And then they want to rebel and be out from under the covering. And what happens is, is they get slammed by the enemy they get slammed next thing you know they're down on the mat their nose is bleeding they're crying what happened well you did you weren't properly covered if you had had kingdom authority covering this wouldn't have happened in the first place and let me say one more thing because things are coming to me right now is that okay one more thing is that this whole thing with dual authority there's no such thing as a two-headed something that's got two heads is in a freak show hear what i'm saying you 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 have one headship and here's what happens a lot of times in a church somebody will have a pastor but they'll have somebody else that will be like maybe a real motherly woman that they call spiritual mom or whatever that's really a jezebel i'm not saying every time but a lot of times And they have dual authorities that they want to submit to, so to speak. They call it submission, but it's really not. And so here's what they do. The pastor tells them no. They don't like that. So they go to this other authority, and they present it a certain way to them to where now this other so-called authority is agreeing that, well, the pastor's wrong. He shouldn't have said that. And so now they're learning how to manipulate and control people like that. To play, you know, you don't have to teach kids these things. It's not too long until a kid gets smart enough to figure out, if I go to dad about this, or if I go to mom and say these things, I can manipulate to get what I want. And so it's the same type of thing. Parents start figuring out what the kid's doing. They join forces and say, you're not going to do that. You're not going to play us against each other like that. Well, in a church, there's only going to be one head shift. It's like, it's like a, a home. There's one husband. You don't have this husband, and then you have this other husband over here. You see what I'm saying? And you, you can play, it doesn't work like that. So there may be some really bizarre, weird thing going on out there, but it's not biblical. But God has lines of authority, and there's one headship. And these people don't like that, so they try to play and manipulate people, twist things around. All right. so how do we overcome, as I mentioned before, number one, we need to confess our sin and let God deal with it. We need to recognize and be careful because you don't want to have a rebellion in your life that opens you up to an attack. For example, even though you may not fully agree with the government, God still has established some kind of an authority there. And you need to be careful how you're talking against a president. Because even though, like I told you before, I did not agree with our past president about pretty much, there wasn't hardly anything that I can think of that we agreed on. But I did not go around bad-mouthing him to everybody and being a smart aleck either because I understand that even though I don't agree with him, that God still has him there for a reason, even if it's judgment. And I'm not going to have a rebellious spirit and I'm not going to open up a door in my life for satanic attack even in the workplace or at school or whatever you better not be a rebel against your manager your boss your teacher whatever because this the the workplace or the the school yard whatever they may put up with certain things but nonetheless it is sin and sin opens the door for an attack all of a sudden people have health problems they can't shake they have This over here, financial lack. They have these problems. And it's because they're rebelling against authority. And it's opening them up for an attack. I'm not saying you have to always agree, but you still have to have a right attitude. Does this make sense? Even though you don't agree, you still have a godly attitude about it. And I know that there are places and times where maybe there's an abuse of authority and if there's a way of properly in a godly way going about something to deal with that but i'll tell you what even abusive authority is better than absolutely no authority at all because where there's absolutely no authority you have anarchy lawlessness look at look at society whenever we've had these riots somewhere on the streets and you see looting You see people getting killed. You see bloodshed and violence. That is lawlessness. That's anarchy. And I promise you, if you took away authority out of our nation, that's exactly what would spring up everywhere. And that's why you see some of that in other parts of the world because they don't have good authority. And let me tell you something else. That's why people have such an attitude even toward our law enforcement because they're an authority figure See what I'm saying and I I believe that some of them probably do abuse their authority and um, those type of people need to be dealt with by their authority they need to be fired or whatever but by and large most of them don't but yet society you have a spirit of rebellion in America that wants to buck up against every type of authority that there is so what do you see in our society right now you see Pupils in the school constantly bucking up against a teacher. Rebellion. You see children in the home bucking up against parents. Rebellion. You see society, people out on the streets, bucking up against law enforcement. They're challenging every type of authority there is. They go to an establishment, and there's a manager there, and they don't get their little way, so they want to buck up against the manager. You know, there's just so much rebellion and um i'll just tell you that because you know because i'm law-abiding citizen hopefully this would never happen but i mean if a cop ever pointed a gun at me and said lay down i'm laying down (laughs) i just don't have a problem with that (laughs) i'm not trying to be mean but they wonder why things don't go their way i'm I'm not trying to be a smart aleck I'm, i'm being sincere but, I mean, it's, it's you know, when you're a rebel, you're going to have a lot of problems with a lot of people. Not just a cop. There's going to be a lot of people you have a lot of problems with. All right, so here's the last couple things. Fully yielding to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do things in your own flesh. How many knows it seems like the more you try in your own human strength to change, the worse it gets. And you think, I have tried so hard. And and the truth of the matter is, it's a complicated issue I can't get into today too much. But that is the essence of coming under the letter of the law or the spirit of the law. The letter of the law is we're trying to achieve righteousness in our own human strength. We're trying to do it in our flesh. We're trying to figure it all out with our mind. If I do this and this, then this will work. This plus this equals this. You're trying to figure it out in human reasoning, in human terms, and with human strength, it's never going to work. So let me show you how Paul had to figure this out. Romans 7 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh. How many can say, man, I feel you, Paul. I know exactly what you're talking about. He said, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate. How many have ever felt that way? I have felt that way. There's things that you really want to change about yourself that you realize is not pleasing to the Lord and you're frustrated. Why doesn't this change? I'm making every bit of effort and I'll show you here in a moment why. Verse 16, but if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it but sin which is in me for I know that nothing good dwells in me remember me mentioning that about Paul how he said there's really nothing good in me see that's a very humble statement there that is in my flesh for the willing is present in me but the doing of the good is not he's willing but his flesh cannot carry it out he's trying so hard for the good that I want, I don't do. I practice the very evil I don't want to do. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but there's the sin in me. Verse 21, I find then the principle that evil is present in me. The one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. What did Jesus say? Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Paul was saying there's a part of me that loves God so much and wants to do the right thing, but yet my flesh, where the sin nature is, is causing me to stumble. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law in my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I find myself with my mind I'm serving the law of God, but on the other, the flesh, the law of sin. So here's how you overcome. Your inner spirit, man, as a Christian, is crying out to God. Your inner spirit is saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to live righteous. I want to please you. But then your flesh, where the sin nature dwells, is saying, I don't really care about the law of God. I want to do what feels good and whatever I want to do. So the flesh is like a, a rebel, if you will. So how do we overcome Here's how you quit trying to do it in your own flesh. And you say, Lord, forgive me for this sin. I cannot overcome it in my own strength. But I yield to the Holy Spirit. And I ask you that the Holy Spirit through me will help me to live righteously. And you will find that all of a sudden a strength starts coming from the inside of you that now you're able to live righteously in a way you never were before. Because it is not you trying to do it in your flesh, but rather it's you yielding to the Holy Spirit. When you're trying to do it in your own strength, that's the letter of the law. You're trying to achieve righteousness yourself. Not maybe to the degree that you feel like you're earning your salvation, hopefully not, but it's along those lines. It's like really working hard to achieve. But what you have to understand is, is that Jesus already achieved your righteousness at the cross. And so basically what you're saying is, Lord, forgive me for my sin. I believe that I've received that forgiveness. So now because of Jesus, I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. My sin is washed away. So now I say, Lord, let your Holy Spirit live through me. And so now it's not the letter of the law, but it's the spirit of the law. Does this make sense? The Holy Spirit will give you grace to overcome. He will make your weak places strong. He'll change you. And pretty soon things you could have never done. And why does God choose to do it this way? Because every time, every time that people are able to achieve something in their flesh, they get lifted up with pride. Hello? But every time, That people humble themselves and say, Lord, in my own flesh, in my own ingenuity, in my own human intellect, I cannot do this. But I yield to the Spirit of God. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, give me the grace to overcome. When you humble yourself like that, that's when you become strong because it's the Spirit of God doing it. And that produces humility. So the the reason why God chooses to do it this way is because if you could do it, you would get lifted up with pride about yourself but you realize i can't do it so you end up very humble and dependent on god all right let me close with this if you have questions about that ask me but i don't know how else to explain that all i know is is that according to the word if we humble ourselves god gives grace to the humble and the spirit of god will arise in you he will change you, he'll empower you, and he'll help you overcome. That's what the Bible's saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's really more along the lines of the context that the Bible intends it to be. I can do all things through Christ, but it's Christ strengthening me. It's the, the, and that word means empower. It's the Spirit of God empowering me to be able to do it. All right, so what starts out in the flesh as rebellion and witchcraft in the flesh, manipulation and control, bucking up against authority what starts out that way will inevitably become supernatural it will become demonic at some point if the people do not repent it will no longer just be a person that is rebellious a person that is controlling it will eventually become a person that is demonized in Galatians five eighteen. But if you you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. This is hard for some people because they've been so legalistic. For so long, they've been working so hard to achieve something. And it's hard for them to let that go. But we've got to learn to yield to God, yield to the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident and there's not one good thing in this list immorality impurity sensuality idolatry witchcraft enmity strife jealousy outburst of anger disputes dissensions and factions envying drunkenness carousing and things like these as i forewarned you just as i warned you um that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of god i hope that that doesn't go over people's heads because people that live this way are not going to be in heaven It amazes me how people pick and choose what they want to believe out of the Bible. Well, I like verse 22, but I don't, I don't like verse 20. So I'm not reading that. You know, there was a lady one time, I had a friend of mine. There was a lady that she worked in a church, but she was a practicing homosexual. And he would try to tell her, listen, you can't do this. I mean, and anyway, but he noticed one day that she would have her Bible there instead of she would read it and she had taken a sticky note and cut it to where it was exactly the size that covered up 1 Corinthians 6:19 which says that homosexuals will not go to heaven when they die it says those words and she took and she put covered that up so that she could just read right over that listen you're not doing yourself a favor by picking and choosing what you like out of the bible Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against those things. There is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Do you see? Whenever you die to the flesh. So people say, how do we overcome rebellion? How do we overcome the tendency toward that ungodly witchcraft of the flesh being controlling? How do we overcome? You overcome by quit trying to. Fix it in your own human strength and you yield to the Holy Spirit. Because the deeds of the flesh are all these negative things. Do you see what Paul was dealing with earlier in Romans? The very thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Why? Because the deeds of the flesh are idolatry, sensuality, impurity, strife, jealousy. But, he, but Paul goes on to say he's learned that those that belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and they live according to the Spirit. And then you see the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifest with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control, etc. So as you yield to the Holy Spirit and relax, quit trying to work so hard. Relax. See, religion is all about works legalism you know if i do this and don't do that and don't get me wrong there is there is a place to know right from wrong and to not do wrong okay but nonetheless if we yield to the holy spirit his fruit will come forth if you keep yielding to your flesh and trying to fix yourself in your flesh the fruit of the flesh will be what's coming forth and so this is why i close with this thing first samuel 15 23 rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and then Revelation 21 8 but for the cowardly the unbelieving the abominable the murderers the immoral person the sorcerers that has to do with those that practice the dark hearts like the witches and all idolaters and all liars their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death talking about hell and Derek Prince said something here I want to read and I want, I want to close with this statement But Derek Prince traveled all over the world for decades. He preached in Africa, he preached in Europe, he preached in America. He was all over. He saw the greater global body of Christ. All kinds of different denominational groups. All kinds of ethnicities. So when he makes a statement like this, I want you to understand that this is not a flippant thing. This is over decades and decades of preaching all over the whole world okay and this is what he said i want to present to you what i consider to be the greatest single hindrance to fulfilling one's calling at this time i think that this force especially targets men and even more particularly men who would be leaders in the church if i were to give you a hundred guesses i do not believe you would guess correctly The particular force that hinders Christian men and women from fulfilling their callings and achieving their destiny in God is witchcraft. It is the major enemy of God that binds millions of individuals from fulfilling their call and being effective in God's army. And that's out of his book called To Conquer in chapter 6. I agree with this 100%. I can't get into it tonight. I close now, but next week I'm going to yeah next week i'm going to continue this but see when people get rebellious y'all look this way at this closing statement when people get rebellious and now they move from just being rebellious they're bucking up against authority they have a bad attitude all that now it's not just that anymore now they're demonized now you're dealing with a spirit you're dealing with a jezebel spirit when it gets to that place those people don't mean to. I know a lot of them don't mean to. But now they're being used of the devil to begin to speak and release curses against the pastor and against the church. And it is very powerful. So, what do we mean by curses? These are all through the Bible. But it is words that have a supernatural power behind it. And as they gossip, as they slander, As they speak against as they pray against as they give false prophecies against a pastor and a church those words have a supernatural power behind it that is trying to cripple men of God and churches from being able to fulfill their destiny in God I cannot tell you how difficult it is going through that I cannot even tell you I'm not gonna try but that that there is a power that's behind that witchcraft that tries to prevent men of God from being able to fulfill their destiny in God and tries to prevent churches from being able to be everything God's called it to be. It is literally witchcraft, and it is very powerful. And it's sad because those that are out there, the Satanists and witches that are praying against us, you know, we rebuke that. It's really not that big of a deal. Don't get me wrong. It's it's powerful. You need to be aware of it and rebuke it, but it's the people inside the church those people that are using think about what i'm saying to you once you accept christ as your savior there is an authority in a christian that's invested in them because they're a christian jesus said whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth loosed in heaven there is a spiritual authority from god invested in a christian so a christian that's being used of the devil like this it has an authority that is invested in them as a christian and a demonic thing that is targeting you. And I'm just telling you it's difficult. But God is going to deal with these things in these last days. I believe that, that the power of these things is going to be broken and people are going to rise up and fulfill their destiny in God. So Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for hearing and answering the prayers over this time. And we're going to pray for people here in a moment. But as we close down recordings, you can go ahead and do that. Lord, we thank you. Seal this time. We bless you. And Lord, I pray this word will go forth and really bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can just turn up the CD for a moment. I want to pray with you guys tonight.